What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Thursday, February 10th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Priyanka Arabindi, and this is What a Day, where we want to say that the Tinder swindler was always cool to us. Yeah, he always had a lot of money around that he was personally offering me, and I thought that that was a true sign of friendship. Agreed. What better way to say that you are my friend than giving me your money? On today's show, figure skaters from Russia may have their Olympic medals stripped after a failed drug test. Plus, Nancy Pelosi reverses course and signals her openness to a stock trading ban for members of Congress. Big day over here. But first, a number of states, including those with Democratic governors, announced plans to lift mask mandates on Wednesday. We had a mask or vax requirement for businesses. It was an emergency temporary measure put in place literally two months ago. And at this time... We say that it is the right decision to lift this mandate for indoor businesses and let counties, cities, and businesses to make their own decisions on what they want to do with respect to masks or the vaccination requirement. Given the declining cases, given declining hospitalizations, that is why we feel comfortable to lift this in effect tomorrow. That was New York Governor Kathy Hochul lifting the mandate for her state. Indoor mask mandates will also be lifted in California at the end of next week and in Illinois by the end of the month. At this point, none of these states have changed the rules for schools yet, but those rules are changing elsewhere. In Massachusetts, Republican Governor Charlie Baker will lift a school mask mandate at the end of the month. Obviously, these are really big changes that will affect a lot of people. However, in many instances throughout these states where mandates are being lifted, local communities and cities are following their own policies. So, for example, L.A. County is keeping an indoor mask mandate for now. I'm sure this will not confuse anyone. Um, Certainly not. (laughs) While these changes are rapidly happening state by state, the federal government is taking a more cautious approach. According to The New York Times, the White House has been having conversations with health experts about what their next move is. So for more on all of this new, slightly less masked phase of the pandemic and what comes next, we spoke with Dr. Celine Gounder, a clinical assistant professor of medicine and infectious diseases at NYU School of Medicine. She has also been in touch with the White House as they formulate policies. So here is our conversation. On Wednesday, another group of states, New York, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island among them, announced that they were lifting mask mandates. Uh, So Dr. Gounder, what was your reaction to that news? And what do you think that means for where we are in the pandemic at the moment? I think we are in very different places in different parts of the country right now. You have parts of the country where we are very highly vaccinated, where uh, levels of community transmission have dropped down after the Omicron surge and have returned to fairly low levels. But in much of the country, we still have very high levels of community transmission and not every community is highly vaccinated. So what may make sense in one community is not necessarily what's going to make sense elsewhere. Right. 
how much of the federal government's approach do you think has been informed by not wanting to move too quickly? Like last summer, when everyone was told, you know, all right, we're taking our masks off, summer of freedom, whatever the terminology was. And then in quick succession, Delta and Omicron happened. I think the one predictable thing about this pandemic is how unpredictable it has been. And so I think the fear is that we move to lift mitigation measures and then another variant strikes or something else unexpected happens. And so I think there's a lot of concern about, on the one hand, doing so appropriately when the local epidemiology allows, but at the same time, not doing so prematurely and then regretting having done so. Totally. That's just what I was about to ask you. It seems like we are rounding a corner in this pandemic, you know, as evidenced by these changes and, you know, rapidly declining case numbers in certain areas. But what are the implications about possibly having to do an about face later on? And where does pandemic fatigue kind of factor into that? I think at least in the near term, it's going to be very difficult to reimpose mitigation measures unless you had a fully immune evading variant where the vaccines did not provide any protection, where prior infection did not provide any protection. And I think you'd really need to see hospitals overwhelmed and unable to function before people would really be willing to entertain reimposing any kind of mitigation measures at this point. Is that like a, I hate to say like uh, predictions, but is that like an optimistic viewpoint of where we are and where we're about to go? (laughs) I would say that's kind of pessimistic, right? People are just not willing to live with restrictions anymore. They want to move on with their lives. And I think you're seeing that across the political spectrum. You're seeing that among people who've already been vaccinated who say, well, look, I followed the rules, you know, quote unquote, not that there are really any rules uh, in a game with the virus. You know, I think you have that faction and then you have people who never wanted to abide by any kind of mitigation measures. They didn't think that the harms of doing so, perhaps economic or social harms, outweighed the uh, benefits from a health perspective. And so there would really need to be um, a game-changing new variant for people, I think, to want to go back to any kind of uh, restrictions or mitigation measures at this stage. Yeah, I think that definitely seems to be the case in terms of like where everybody is. I I do also want to talk about kids in school which is a separate part of this entire equation. Differences state by state in terms of how, when these mass mandates are being lifted, how they're actually impacting schools. What is a sensible policy there at this juncture? You know, in schools, it's a little bit hard to say. Um, We know that kids are at lower risk for severe disease, hospitalization, and death, but the risk is not zero. In addition, it's not just about kids. It's also about the adults working in the school, some of whom may not be vaccinated, some of whom may be vaccinated but immunocompromised, and so the vaccines are not fully protective for them. The other issue is that unless you mask appropriately, so you're wearing a high-quality mask, you're wearing it over your nose and mouth, it's not going to be truly protective. And we know that a lot of people do not wear masks correctly and including kids. So unless the right masks are being worn correctly, the impact of that masking is not going to be optimal. Right. And for kids five and younger, obviously Pfizer and federal officials are going full steam ahead really and trying to get them shots. But polling indicates that, you know, their parents are being pretty cautious about all of this. 
What do you have to say to parents who are kind of in that boat and worried about vaccinating their children, you know, whether or not they are under the age of five? So Pfizer has submitted data to the FDA for emergency use authorization of two doses of its vaccine in kids under five. What their data has shown is that the two doses of Pfizer vaccine are indeed safe for that age group, but two doses are not protective enough for kids between the ages of two and five, but they do seem to be protective enough for kids between the ages of six months and two years. It remains to be seen, you know, how the FDA is going to address this. Will they simply say, we're going to approve it for all kids under five, understanding that kids two to five may need a third dose and we're still waiting on safety and efficacy data on a third dose? Or they could say, let's proceed with an emergency use authorization for kids six months to two years, and then let's get more data on a third dose in the two to five-year-olds and hold off on any kind of authorization for that group until then. So as we're talking to you, a convoy of truckers is camped out in Ottawa protesting against COVID mandates and restrictions. This has been going on for quite some time. How entrenched is anti-vaccine sentiment? And do you foresee those kinds of really public actions ending when and if governments end their COVID restrictions? What we've seen in terms of mis- and disinformation on social media, online, is a fair amount of that, particularly when it comes to vaccines, is targeted at the parents of young children. Mm. And so I do think you're going to continue to see the reverberations of that, whether it's with respect to vaccine uptake among kids, perhaps even other childhood vaccinations. And so I do think that will be a group where we see increasing issues moving forward. Do you have any final thoughts before we let you go? Yeah, I think as we emerge from the crisis phase of the pandemic and we do move into this new normal, that new normal should include some measures to protect the most vulnerable who we might otherwise be leaving behind. And so that includes, you know, people living in long-term care facilities like nursing homes where even three doses of vaccine may not be fully protective because it's just such a high-risk group that includes highly immunocompromised people or kids who just can't get vaccinated yet. I think we just need to remember that new normal needs to include something about protecting those populations. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you being here today. My pleasure. We'll get into more on all of this very soon, but that is the latest for now. It's Thursday, Wad Squad, and today we're doing a segment called No Context, Bad Vibes. No Context, Bad Vibes. <laughs> we love it. We love it every time. We really Beautiful do. stuff. Uh, take a listen to today's clip. Not only do we have the D.C. jail, which is the D.C. gulag, but now we have Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police spying on members of Congress, spying on the legislative work that we do, spying on our staff, and spying on American citizens that want to come talk to their representatives. Oh, I'm so glad that I saved my first listen for this moment. Live gazpacho. on the air. Yes. That, of course, was Republican Congresswoman and lifelong student of German history, Marjorie Taylor Greene, mm -hmm. there's a lot going on in this clip. Aside from the Gestapo, Gazpacho confusion, <laughs> as, you know, one does, Greene is referring to the idea that Nancy Pelosi has leveraged the Capitol Police to spy on her opponents, a conspiracy theory that gained momentum among House Republicans this week after Congressman Troy Nels accused officers of illegally searching and photographing his office. 
The police contend that they were doing a routine security check because Nell's door was left open. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Big things happening over there. Importantly, Pelosi does not oversee the Capitol Police, which is the one police force Republicans don't seem to support, <laughs> likely because of their role defending the Capitol on January 6th. And equally importantly, if there was a Gazpacho police, their members would be called soup Nazis. Oh, my God. So, Gideon, what are you taking from this clip? I love it. I think that Gazpacho police is like uh, a different iteration of Karma Police by Radiohead. It's like the weird like ska cover band doing it or whatever. They would call their version Gazpacho Police. No, I think Gazpacho Police, I was picturing it as humans, but they are policing specifically Gazpacho. Oh, like the quality, see, like see, quality control. That's right. what I was thinking. Right. Maybe we do want that. Maybe they are the people who give the restaurants like the A through D, F, Great. I've never hmm. seen an F. So that's why Marjorie Taylor to... Green has good ideas. That's interesting. Hmm. Well, I, well hmm. you know, we can edit that part out. <laughs> um, please bleep uh, Priyanka whenever she is speaking. Um, that was no context, bad vibes. No context, bad vibes. <laughs> we will be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, and that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. 
That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash wad. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Top Russian military commanders flew into Belarus yesterday for a massive military exercise, and six Russian warships are making their way from the Mediterranean to the Black Sea at Ukraine's southern coast. During their meeting earlier this week, Russia's President Vladimir Putin allegedly told French President Emmanuel Macron that Russia doesn't want to escalate tensions with Ukraine, but Russia's latest military actions would indicate otherwise. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. (laughs) I'm confused. Uh, Moscow said again the ships were simply for naval drills, and Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov told reporters on Tuesday, quote, Russia and Belarus have encountered unprecedented threats. Okay. Uh, The U.S. and Western European countries continue to worry that these moves will provide cover for a wide-scale invasion of Ukraine any day now. Ukrainian troops, meanwhile, will begin their own military drills today using drones and anti-tank weapons provided by the U.S. and other NATO members. Yeah, it does not sound great over there. That is what I will say about that. Families of the victims who died in the fire that engulfed an apartment building in the Bronx last month are suing the building owners. The massive fire in the 120-unit complex left 17 people dead, including eight children, with the youngest victim being just two years old. On Tuesday, the lawyer for the victims' families alleged that the apartment building violated city safety laws, which led to the wrongful deaths. The families are being represented by Ben Crump, a well-known civil rights attorney. Most of the people who were killed were immigrants from Gambia and other parts of West Africa. In a press conference earlier this week, Crump told reporters, quote, if these were white citizens and you had 17 people lose their lives and others catastrophically injured, that we would not even only be talking about civil liability, we would be talking about criminal culpability. As of now, the lawsuits don't specify monetary damages or specific safety violations. Yeah, what a horrible, horrible situation. Yeah. Figure skaters for the Russian Olympic Committee are on thin ice. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you all very much. They may have their medals stripped after 15-year-old superstar Kamila Valieva allegedly failed a drug test testing positive for a stimulant that increases blood flow to the heart. The figure skaters initially claimed victory after the team event Monday when Valieva became the first woman to ever land quadruple jumps in the free program. But instead of getting their medals that night as planned, the ceremony was postponed, first for 24 hours and then indefinitely. When asked Wednesday about the delay, IOC spokesperson Mark Adams said, quote, a situation arose at short notice that requires legal consultation. Big yikes. Big yikes. Uh, because of Valieva's age, she is classified as a protected person under the rules of the World Anti-Doping Agency, also known as WAD-A, WAD-A, squad, rise up. This is your moment. <laughs> Meaning the responsibility for performance-enhancing drugs will lay on her coach. As of Wednesday, the Russian figure skaters still hadn't received their team gold medal because of the investigation. Instead, they were given stuffed animals of the official mascot of the Beijing Winter Olympics, Bing Duen Duen, a very cute panda with a heart of gold. To me, honestly, there is no difference. Yeah, to me, there's a huge difference. The panda sounds better. Yeah. Why are we rewarding this? I don't know. I don't get it. They got it wrong. They got it wrong here. Democratic leadership signaled support Wednesday for legislation that would limit or ban congressional stock ownership as a bipartisan effort has gained momentum on the floor. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer took to the Senate floor to express support for a stock ownership ban, encouraging Democrats to work with Republicans to hasten an agreement. Meanwhile, the woman whose investment returns are the stuff of legend, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, took a more complex approach, signaling her support for stock limitations, but advocating for the rules to also extend to the judiciary branch. And if we've learned anything from the Build Back Better era... 
the more complicated the bill, the better. Mm-hmm, definitely. Multiple bills to ban stock trading exist in the House and the Senate, including one that Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren and Republican Senator Steve Daines unveiled this week, as well as a proposal by Democratic Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and Representative Katie Porter reintroduced on Wednesday. The demand for these bills has grown since reporting last year showed multiple legislators had profited from trading healthcare stocks following closed-door meetings on the early coronavirus pandemic. My solution for Americans regaining trust in their elected officials? For every stock a senator gives up, they get a pair of cozy mittens to wear (laughs) while they are crossing their legs outside and looking grouchy. Soon, they will be the most popular politicians of all time, at least online. It is a foolproof plan. I don't think that it would translate with certain people, but with enough of them, maybe, maybe it would work. Nancy Pelosi digging herself out of a um, mound of mittens. Yes. That's what's in her freezer in addition to the ice cream. Uh, And those (laughs) are the headlines. They're in the freezer now because she has so many, of course. One more thing before we go. This week on Keep It, Ira Lewis and Aida discuss Oscar nominations and whether or not Lady Gaga was snubbed, how Black History Month has already gone terribly awry, Kanye and Kim's messy divorce, and more. Plus, Nicole Byer joins to talk about being the busiest woman in show business and pandemic routines we've already abandoned. New episodes of Keep It drop every Wednesday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, make a politician mitten so they can be popular and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just the secret history of the gazpacho police like me, <laughs> What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and come, come on, on wad, bing, dwen, dwen. Yes, we would love to ask you questions. I want a little stuffed animal. I want to be an Olympian for that reason. I want to interrogate you to see if you saw any drugs while you were being held. (laughs) No, I I would like to hold Bing. Bing Dwen Dwen, do your tell-all here. This is the place. Tell the truth. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein with writing support from Jossie Kaufman. And our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland. And discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com.